You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Interning 101 podcast, hosted by yours truly, Emily White, author of Interning 101. So welcome to episode eight of the Interning 101 podcast. I am your host, Emily White, author and entrepreneur. And I'm very excited to have a very special guest today because he is our first sports guest. And welcome, Jake Grosser from USA Swimming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I wanted to have you on, Jake, for a few reasons. Um, Definitely some sports perspectives. We've only talked to music and entertainment people so far. But, you know, you responded to my book really well. And that's not an ego thing. That's that's not why I wanted to have you on. It was... um, that I could tell you were passionate about interns and getting that experience and, and getting in on the ground floor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, interning is how I got my start. And it's also, you know, looking back, I, I was passionate about it, my internship and the interns that came after me. And I think that that's actually what catapulted my career. So it's always been something that's very dear to my heart. Awesome. Yeah, it's nice when you can empathize. Yes. Exactly. And be like, I was you. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. Uh, obviously, you were a swimmer. I say obviously because Jake is very tall. <laughs> So obviously you were a swimmer. Tall and uncoordinated. So yeah, that, that brings me into swimming and away from the ball sports. Yeah, swimmers aren't always so great <laughs> on land. And where are you from? Uh, I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, St. Charles. Great. So about an hour out from the city. Uh, great swimming community there. So yeah. that also helped kind of lead me into the sport. You have almost no Midwestern accent. <laughs> well, I've moved around a little bit. I, you know, growing up in Chicago, I was out here in LA for undergrad and then back to Chicago and now to Colorado. So kind of got a mix of everything except for the east coast so we'll, we'll see how uh where it ends up got it and so you just set out west for undergrad but i thought you went to northwestern so i went to usc for undergrad cool um, and i graduated early there so i had some swimming eligibility left so i used that to swim while i was in grad school at northwestern that's amazing did you swim at all at usc or just I northwestern did. yeah so two, wow. two years at usc then took a year off for eligibility reasons, and then a year and a half, because it took me three and a half years to graduate, but a year and a half at uh, Northwestern to finish out college. That's so interesting. Yeah, it was at the time, it was a very unique path, but I, more and more people are doing it now. And, and, and like I said, it's kind of a great way for, you know, to, to get a scholarship or to um, compete for two different teams or kind of just expand. For me, it was two different subjects. I did political science in undergrad and sports management in grad school. So for me, it was a great way just to get almost two different college experiences all under the roof of swimming. Yeah, and two totally different parts of the country as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Uh, what made you, uh, you know, political science and although, although I'm, I love politics and I love sports, but political science and sports management is very different. So what made you choose sports management in grad school? Um, I would say I finally sat down and tried to look for what I was passionate about and, and what I wanted to do for work. Um, when I was a political science major, it wasn't that I wasn't passionate about it, but it was during the first Obama election. It was very um, kind of pop culture, very topical in society. And it was something that 
Um, I, I figured I, I should learn a little bit more about it. I was very interested in it at the time. Uh, once I learned a little bit more about it, I, I knew that I didn't really want to run for office. I didn't want to teach government and I didn't want to write a book. And so I said, uh, this probably isn't going to take me through the rest of my life. Let, let me sit down and see what I'm really passionate about. And that was sports. And so I started looking into some options in that. And, and Northwestern had this emerging uh, master's degree in sports management and administration. And I said, that's that's just perfect. It's back in Chicago where I grew up. It's mm-hmm. exactly what I want to study and I can swim. And it was just the perfect mix for me. Are you passionate about other sports besides swimming? I am. Yeah, I'm a, a sports geek. I like, you know, obviously the big sports, football, um, big fantasy football guy. Um, but I also like some of the niche sports because of my swimming background. I know that it's not one of those that are out there. And so uh, right now the Tour de France is finishing up. My dad and I um, big fans of that. My dad's got me into Formula One this year. Um, so it's kind of those fringe sports. I, I go back and forth, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll follow them, tennis, um, some golf, obviously, um, but always the big ones. And then I kind of float around and try and check out the other Olympic sports too. So you have some pretty cool internships under your belt. Where did you start there? Uh, so I started at IMG, which is now IMG WME. Um, William Morris Endeavor. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so when I was in grad school at Northwestern, I was just talking with a professor after class, um, and he mentioned that he, through his network, that he knew of an internship down at uh, IMG and asked if I was interested. I said, absolutely. At the time, I was casting a wide net, looking at mm-hmm. everything, um, and, and I gave him my resume, he passed it along, and, and they brought me in. And it was actually my volunteer work growing up with USA Swimming with some of the familiarity with the Olympic movement and um, I'll, I'll never forget when I was interviewing, they were amazed that I knew what the term NGB, National Governing Body, um, was, which is what USA Swimming is. And so that really got me, you know, my volunteer work got me in the door. Um, they liked me during the interview, and I was lucky enough to be absorbed into their internship program at the time. And, and that's really what launched my career. So let's back up a moment. Yeah. Um, when did you do that volunteer work and what was it? So I started that my junior year of high school. Right. Uh, I have my mom to credit for that. She's been a volunteer for USA Swimming for the past 30 plus years. Um, and she, there's basically, there's a volunteer position called athlete reps. And with on the volunteer side of USA Swimming, you have to have 20% athlete representation mm-hmm. in all of the committees um, that we have. And so at the lowest levels, that's when you're a junior in high school, that's usually when you can get in. And then there's a large group there. And as you get older, it kind of trims down to those that stay interested and want to stay involved. And um, I was lucky enough to stay involved all the way through college and uh, make some connections there, just helping out, helping out with the sport that I loved, that those connections are still involved today. I still know those people, still see those people. Um, And like I said, that work, just staying in the sport, seeing another side of it, instead of just being a swimmer, um, really helped get me in the door at IMG and, and was valuable. That's amazing. I can't encourage people to start trying things as young as possible. Mm-hmm. And I really love that example because the example that always pops in my head is my friend Justin Kalifowitz is the president of Downtown Music Publishing. He's amazing. Um, he started interning at a major label in high school, but he's from Long Island. So he had access to New York City. You were able to volunteer in Illinois yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, there's opportunities for every single LSC, that's a local swim committee, essentially states, uh, mm-hmm. a few exceptions. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that nationally you can get involved in. And, and at the time, wasn't very well um, publicized. And that was probably the first project I can ever remember, like, putting some passion into, was just letting the Illinois swimmers know that this was something that was there. 
um, that something that was available and that they can make a difference in the sport if, if mm-hmm. they just looked into this and spent some time. And, and since then, you know, that kind of started the domino effect of the athlete reps. Now I look, look at them and, and they're unbelievable in the work that they're doing. And I think that that's, um, you know, I'm not taking credit for that, but sure. that's something that I think people started to be passionate about and see that they can make a difference. And then um, everyone that came after us has done such a great job evolving that. That's awesome. Um, so let's see. So I assume other, I mean, I don't expect you to know this, but for everyone who's interested in other sports, I assume it's just something to look into, you know, like my brother works in ultimate Frisbee. I know there's ultimate Frisbee organizations everywhere. So no matter what you're passionate about, you just have to do some research and see what's out there. Yeah. There's always another side to the sport, you know, in swimming, we joke that it's wet side, dry side. Um, me being on the dry side now, it, I'm not actually involved with the actual in the pool activities, but there's a lot more that goes on with the sport. And that's true for every sport across the board. So for this in, in particular, it was dry side still, but it was, you know, just ask around, see what people are doing. There's always volunteer opportunities on, on both sides of the sport. And, and eventually through doing that and just putting yourself out there, it can lead to opportunities that you never thought existed or even knew existed. Definitely. And skills and networking and all that. Exactly. So I love it. So what did you do at IMG as an intern? So the office there, I work for IMG Consulting. They do a lot. So mm-hmm. you got to specify there. Um, we worked with a couple clients on their Olympic partnerships um, on the consulting side. So really the, the main thing when I came in, the only thing that, that I can really remember that when I came in was reading publications daily like sports business journal ad age that type of thing pulling out the sponsorship related stories and compiling our own kind of newsletter Um, that newsletter was then communicated internally so everybody in the office knew what was going on and then we sent that to our clients so they were always up to date Um, it was something that was really simple really basic but was amazingly valuable um, to everyone there because you know you get caught up in the day-to-day you're answering emails you're on phone calls mm-hmm. and maybe you haven't had a chance to read through everything but now you have this kind of condensed version um, to see just what's happening that day what are some new ideas um, and, and that was the main you know thing that I can remember mm-hmm. when I got there you know we, we tried to take that there was a group of interns there was about three of us at all times and we tried to really evolve that into starting to, instead of just copying and paste out of articles, starting to read, to learn from those and start to kind of create some ideas and pass those up, um, up the ladder. And so that, that, that was what I was brought in to do, but we tried to evolve it a lot to something else. That's awesome. And I think uh, that's a great intern task and mm-hmm. also probably got you in the habit of reading like industry trade publications. It did, yes. Yeah, it's, it's something that I still try to do, but I still struggle with. Like I said, there's days that I, I wish that I still had that newsletter yeah. now from an intern that, you know, you get too caught up in something and you haven't read over everything and then it's the next day and there's a whole new news cycle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was a great just to have that one sheeter, two sheeter and just yeah. every day you know what's going on. And that was um, great from an intern's perspective, just learning the field and mm-hmm. then great from, you know, now being on the other side, it would be great to just have that and get caught up every day. For sure. Um, I use an RSS reader uh, to get, you know, all the articles from, you know, things that I want to check out. So that's a great way to stay organized. And actually to declutter a little bit, a lot of uh, the publications that are in my RSS reader, I do not follow on Twitter because I don't need to see it twice. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, this was... I'm not going to date myself, but a little bit further back when social Mm -hmm. media was still kind of figuring out what it was going to be in the business sense and and Twitter was... Mm -hmm 
still, you know, getting all those tweets that are out there in the sports world now from 10 years ago that people didn't know what Twitter was going to become. So it's interesting to see how that has evolved. And and that's a great point from, you know, needing to declutter and and Mm. sift through everything because the same piece of news now will be put out there in 10 different ways. And so that was the other part of it was just standardizing it and having the same format every day to digest it. And I think that was really valuable. Definitely. So did you do two internships at IMG? No, so I stayed there um, for a while, and then I was eventually absorbed as a full-time employee. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, so it was you know, a dream scenario for me. It was, I would say that's not typical, I know, in the internship world. But um, for me, when I first started interning there, I was also in grad school at night, and I was still f- swimming full-time. So wow. I would do morning practice up at Northwestern, take the train to the city, intern during the day, take the train back up for afternoon practice, and then take the train back down for night classes in the city. Um, so I, I really didn't have time to be more than an intern. And then once I was once I graduated and was done with swimming, then I really started to have more time and to dedicate to it and was lucky enough to, to be absorbed into the company. I've never met anyone else. I, I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Northeastern University and uh, my sophomore <laughs> summer, I would train at Harvard in the morning, intern all day, and then train at Harvard in the afternoon. Yeah, it's it's a special uh, special couple couple of years in my life where you, you get used to not enough sleep, you get used to just grinding. But I, you know, I look back and I think that's the single most valuable time in my life because it teaches you the utmost time management, the utmost prioritization, um, and, and like I said, you're just grinding. And so, you know, I look back now and it's like you have this project going on, you think you're working hard, and I just think back then I'm like, it could be worse. I could be swimming in them twice a day, doing yes. night classes. Um, so it really helps with a lot of perspective in, in my professional life. First, what did you do at IMG when you were there full-time? So I, same division, got absorbed, just a little bit more full-time work and a little bit more face-to-face with clients, a little Great. bit more on the strategy side. Uh, that was actually my first foray into working with the athletes. Awesome. There was um, a lot of athletes that the companies would hire to mm-hmm. run you know, different activations, social media, photo shoots, that type of thing. So I started working with them. Um, at the time, and still, I still love working with the athletes. You know, you, it's hard. You take a step back and, and got to remember that the athletes are what drive these sports. That's what pe- people are the fans of. And, and so it's great to always keep rooted in, in the athletes and, and work with them. And, and that's what I started doing there. So, um, yeah, a little bit less intern work, a little bit more face-to-face, full-time. But the same subject matter, still um, read the newsletter every day, still close to my heart. Um, so <laughs> it was it was a little bit different, but a lot of the same. Awesome. I mean, in sports, the athletes are why we're here. In music, exactly. the musicians are why we're here. Exactly. So I love that you were such it, – it doesn't matter that you're a great athlete. You could just be an athlete. But I love that you were a great athlete and – and understand that sacrifice and, and understand that that's why we're, why we're here. So that's awesome. I was an athlete. Well, I wouldn't say great, but I was Oh, come on. <laughs> Very nerdy. I heard some like 22, 50 meter free going on. So that's like my 25 time right now. Um, so what happened after that? So it was actually, you know, it was crazy because I was an intern for a long time there. Um, maybe longer than I would have liked, but I tried to have some patience and, and really see that out. And then I was absorbed and was thrilled. And then very quickly, almost six months later, the opportunity to go say swimming came up. So it just, it went, it goes to kind of show that you can never have a timeline established in your mind of how things should go or how you think they're going to go. Um, the first step for me took a little bit longer than I thought, but then I, I used it as a platform to jump into um, to the USA swimming fairly quickly. And so, um, I worked there for about six, eight months, like I said, and then and the opportunity opened up the USA swimming and I, and I made the change to uh, head out to Colorado. 
Great. So what was your f- first position at USA Swimming? So my first position was called marketing manager, very blanket term. Um, I worked, again, a lot with the athletes. Uh, we have a program called the APA program um, that kind of arranges. What does that stand for? Uh, the Athlete Partnership Agreement. And what that does is at the heart of it, it's, it's designed to be funding to help our swimmers be full-time swimmers and mm-hmm. not have to have a side job and, and really keep us. Not at, be us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep our national team at, at the uh, level that it's at right now. Um, Which it, is it, the best in the world. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant. It's just so, you know, so impressive, the organization you work for. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, more so impressive on the athletes. But this is just one small step that we try to do to give them a little bit more funding. Um, the, where we come in is then in exchange for that funding, there's some requirements like philanthropic exp- mm-hmm. um, appearances. Um, so just helping arrange those, helping coordinate with the athletes at meets like this, get them from point A to point B. Um, Which sounds basic, but is very <laughs> hard. Um, my client, Anthony Irvin, did a book signing at Olympic trials, and Jake was like his bodyguard to get him through all these like teenage fans. So. <laughs> yes, being tall and big does help in that the bodyguard sense. Um, but that was the main responsibility that I came in for. Um, and, and then since then, I've kind of stuck my nose in, in places where we weren't doing things that, that I saw opportunities and saw gaps. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really what's what I've been able to build my career on over the last um, five years as USA Swimming is finding opportunities to grow the organization, finding ways to better the organization that there weren't being done before. And, and really taking you know what I was hired to do, doing that well, doing that consistently, and then um, once I got that down, finding other ways to lend my time and add value to the organization. Awesome! Um, and now you're doing some data work. Yeah, so you know, big jump, a few things in between, but essentially started looking. You know, it's impossible to avoid big data analytics. Yeah. That's where the world is going now. Mm-hmm. Um, so took a look at that, saw that again, just reading publications, seeing where things were going in the sports world, and and really looked at swimming and said, we have a huge opportunity to utilize some of this. Um, and, and throughout, you know, it was a, an interesting path to get there, but now we've got a whole data project going on. We've got um, all, all sorts of cool things in the mix over the next year. And so just showing interest in there, showing the willingness to just hop on YouTube and, and watch mm-hmm. videos and learn new things and just be open to working on something new, I think was really the, the thing that launched me to my position now um, from where I was. And my, you know, I just found out you were working in data the other day and my reaction was, that's awesome, which I don't know if that would, I, maybe it sounds awesome to a 20 year old, um, but I know that's awesome because I know how important it is, the power of it. And I know how good it is for you. Even you, if you go on and do something else, that's going to be an, an, an incredible skill that you have. Yeah. I think there's two reasons that data excites me. It's, it's one that I always remember that Data is just what you're looking at on the computer, but there's actually people on the other yes. side of that. Um, for us in marketing, this the reason we're putting all of this data in place is really just to be able to talk to people more effectively. That's what marketing is. We want to talk to people about swimming, show them it's cool, get them to our events, um, t- get them in touch with athlete stories, that type of thing, and, and figuring out the best way to reach them, what channel it is, what message that is. That's really all that, that data is. Um, so that piece of it is really exciting to me. Um, the other side, like you said, is the flexibility. It's something that everyone is doing, everyone needs to be doing. 
Um, and, and so it allows me, not that I don't want to work at USSO in my entire life, sure. but if I ever got to that point, it allows me to have that flexibility to... You could go anywhere. Yeah, the framework, it doesn't matter what the company, what the subject, mm-hmm. what the product, whatever it is, there's going to be the same skill sets behind it. So for me, that was really key in all of this was building a flexible skill set that I can take in, in any different direction. I love it. Go forward. That's amazing. So... Uh, Again, like you responded to interning 101 really well. So when did you when did you start overseeing interns? So really it was at IMG that, uh, you know, I, I when I got absorbed full time into the company, I said, you know, I've got a, a few ideas on how we can fine tune this internship. And it wasn't anything big. And it's things that I hard, hardly remember at this point, but just taking a look back and saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, I was just an intern and now I'm a full-time employee. I think I have a unique perspective here on what we can do with this internship program and how we can have it help the employees in the office. And and really just taking that stance, taking that platform was what, um, you know, it it allowed me to oversee the internship program there um, for for the time that I was there and then pass it off when I left. And, And that was really my brief kind of interaction with the interns, but it was something like I said, that's really valuable and it's always stuck with me in principles and, and things that I've never uh, forgotten. Awesome. And, you know, roughly how many interns do you think you've overseen over the past five years at USA Swimming? So USA Swimming is a little different. They're very sectioned off within mm-hmm. different companies. Um, directly, I would in my roles, we haven't actually had an intern. So we have... Really? Uh, yeah. So we have uh, interns for our communications department mm-hmm. um, and then obviously in the national team department and the foundation. Um, so interns all over the place. Uh, so, so I don't directly oversee any interns anymore. That mm-hmm. is more of my time at IMG. Um, but I've been pushing for kind of an expanded internship program at USA Swimming. Right now it's run to the USOC. Um, and so I would love to get more people, you know, not just in communications, but in marketing and in sponsorship. I think that there's in possibly having them rotate because mm-hmm. I see the interns come in and, and they do a great job in, in the field that we've hired them for. But there's all these other pieces that I think uh, would be really valuable to them. So don't have a huge number there, but it's still something that's very close to my heart. Um, I would say that the thing that I try to do instead, since I don't have an internship, is every company gets this a lot. Students that are looking to talk to an organization or talk to someone about um, their time in, in a professional field, I always make myself available to be the first one to mm-hmm. say, is there a student that, you know, the email gets passed around, anyone want to talk to this person? I always raise my hand because I remember being in school. I remember calling around those companies and I was so grateful. Um, I, I eventually got to talk with someone at Nike when I was in grad school and that just that 10 minute conversation was so valuable for me. So I always try to be that person at USA Swimming that will talk to the students, take the time to share my experience, give some um, tips for whatever that's worth to them. Um, so, so that's kind of, it's a little bit different than interns, but another way that I've tried to kind of always stay rooted in, the, in that field. I love that. And I know it's not why you're doing it, but those interns are going to have careers too. Exactly. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest things with networking. Everyone mm-hmm. talks about networking, but all, everybody always looks at networking as looking up. Yes. And it's who do I want to meet above so I can get a job, but no one ever thinks to network down and really, um, you know, sort of say not down, but quote unquote down. Um, to, like you said, those people, you don't know what they're going to do. There's been people that I worked with in the internship program in IMG that have gone on to different careers in baseball and hockey mm-hmm. and, and are super valuable um, network networks to this day. And so that up and down, I think, is something that really needs to be kept in mind that 
network, not just with the people of, with the job that you want, but with the people that you're working with now or just anyone else around you that'll talk to you. You never know how that'll come full circle. I couldn't agree with you more. When I go into meetings, I always introduce myself to the interns and people like yeah. that because it's like, I know the boss. That's who I'm here to meet right. with. Uh, and they never forget it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's always valuable conversations. And, and like you said, you never know years later how that will come back up and, and the simplest gesture on your part can, can come back around and really pay dividends in the long run. And what people don't understand is, I know you want to get to the boss because you think that's what you should do or whatever. They are generally older, which means they might have a family, which might mean, which might mean they're super busy and they don't have the time. So it's not that they don't want to share that time, but you know, we're still relatively young. So if you can connect with someone like us, that could actually be more valuable than like the CEO of USA Swimming possibly. Exactly. Yeah. You're very rarely going to deal with the top person at an organization, even when you work there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really finding people across every organization at every level and connecting with them is really the most valuable. Uh, I'm just curious for myself. Do you feel like most of the interns at USA Swimming are swimmers? Uh, surprisingly, no. And, and even in the organization, there's certainly examples that ex-swimmers that work there, that intern there, mm -hmm. um, probably heavier on the national team side, because that's the wet side, dry right. side divide. Um, but on the dry side, so to say, um, we, we have a good mix. You know, our, our communications interns usually, you know, some have swimming backgrounds, but more so have that media background, that communications background. So we really try to hire for the specific skill set and not mm -hmm. just the, the sport behind it. Um, of course, there's great swimmers that have that skill set and, and they do come through. But um, I think people are usually surprised by how many non-swimming background people we have working in the organization. And I think that that divide is, is really valuable. We have this, the ex-swimmers like myself that can mm -hmm. give a little insight into the actual sport, how it works, what's in the mind of these swimmers. But then we also have kind of the more industry-focused people that, that drive the organization as a business and not just a sport. Absolutely. And I feel like maybe sports students know this. I learned it because I only got into professional sports like six years ago. But, you know, you guys are in Colorado Springs, like, and there's a million universities in Colorado. You don't necessarily have to be in New York or LA to intern. Yeah, exactly. I think especially with Olympic sports, I know NGBs are scattered all across mm -hmm. the country. We've got some in Utah, California, Indianapolis. Um, and that's just within the NGB community. There are, just think about sports teams. There are mm -hmm. teams everywhere and every single team has an organization behind it. Um, so no matter where you are, there are opportunities in sports um, to, to really use as a platform. If you want to get to New York, you want to get to LA or Chicago, you don't have to start there. You can get there from a smaller city, um, mm -hmm. a smaller market and kind of learn the same skill sets and, and transfer those over to a larger city. I love it. Um, so we, we kind of just touched on this, how to get an internship, because again, you don't necessarily have to be in like the biggest markets, but how does one get an internship? You know, it's cliche, but it's, it's my answer to that is it's who you know. You know, when I heard that in school, I was like, yeah, yeah, everybody says that, but mm -hmm. then why are there these online forms, everything like that? I, I did everything. I did the online forms, I did the job sites. Um, but like I said, the internship that I eventually got was just because I stayed after class for 10 minutes to talk with my professor about a project. I showed a little bit of interest beyond the assignment and he passed my resume along to IMG who ended up hiring me. So you never know exactly. I, I would never go with just one tactic yeah. because you never know where you're going to strike. 
gold and, and get in, get your foot in the door. And so it could be a networking event. It could be just talking with professors, talking with mm -hmm. classmates. You know, my, my classes were very diverse. I was one of the youngest people because it's traditionally something that a program that people come back to after working professionally for a while. So for me, that was great. It was, I was one of the youngest people and was eager to talk to, you know, these people were trying to get a master's degree, but a lot of them were working in the industry. And so just talking with them, it's, it's still people that um, I talk to and network with today. And, and that could have led to an opportunity. So I, I don't think that there's a great one answer to how to get an mm -hmm. internship. It's just staying active, staying topical with the news, and then just having conversations with everyone around you and, and, and casting a wide net. I love it. And I couldn't agree with you more on your, on one's classmates because you're building your network from day one. Like I've probably said this on the podcast before, but um, my first ever music business class in college, my first ever college course ever, I was 17 years old. There was a guy named Craig next to me. Craig lives in my neighborhood in Brooklyn and I see him all the time, yep. <laughs> you know, and I think I got my second internship through a classmate. So look around. And I, I mean this in a good way, like take advantage of the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I couldn't have said it better. So how, do, how should one prepare for an internship? Someone scores an internship at USA Swimming, there's you know often a few weeks or even a few months before they start, what, the, what should they be doing to get ready? Research. On, on both the actual company, I think that's where you start. You wanna know who works there. You know, I think one of the great pieces of advice in, in your book is talking about going on LinkedIn profiles, going on social media, type, just type someone's name into Google and see you, you know, there's news articles. Learn about the people you're going to be working with, the type of jobs that they're doing, the type of projects that they're working on. Start there and then expand into the field that you're working in. Um, the more you know coming in, like I said, the fact that I knew what an NGB, the acronym stood for, is what I, I think a large part of what got me my first internship. And that's not something that's difficult to figure out if you're just researching and reading articles. Um, so I think researching the company you're in and then researching the field you're in and just coming in with as much base knowledge as you can, that will help when you get there and start working on specific projects that you kind of know where that fits in the grand scheme of the field. And at the same time, learning, you know, it feels weird to say, but industry phrases like NGB, that's part of your internship, you know, like, yes, you can learn that in college and you should learn that online if that's a field you want to go into. But, you know, um, I think interns understandably have expectations when they go into an internship on what they think they might be doing. But so much of it is picking up, you know, industry lingo like that. It's a language. Every single mm -hmm. job I've been in has had its own language. And that's, you know, when I talk to my engineering friends or my, um, you know, communications friends or whatever I have friends doing, everyone talks about how there's an industry lingo and a language. And the quicker you can get up to speed on that, the, the easier it'll be to follow phone conversations. Um, but even to this day, I'll, I'll be on conference calls and really quick type something into Google totally. just for an acronym out there that I've never heard before. Yep. Um, but then you learn it. So you just... Learning as much as you can beforehand will help, but then always, you know, not being afraid to ask what an acronym means after Googling it, of course. I think, that, you know, that's that's the first step always because you can save yourself the embarrassment of having to ask. But but learning that language and, and learning how to communicate within your field is, is key. There is a chapter in the book called um, something like Don't Ask Anything That's Googleable. Yes. And that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, Google is so powerful and, and on point these days. It, 
nine times out of 10, the acronym that I don't know or the word or the phrase that I haven't heard, I type it in right away that first thing and without skipping a beat, I'm up to speed. And so um, it's amazing how quickly you can get up to speed with Google. Um, in that one out of 10 instance where maybe someone made up an acronym or something like that, you can ask and get up to speed, but Google will solve nine out of 10 problems usually. Exactly. And I would say if you're going to intern at USA Swimming or the Yankees or whatever, um, learn the names of the athletes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's another big one. If it's a specific um, sport or a specific team, um, like I said, every sports organization is rooted in the athletes. And so knowing what's going on with the individual athletes, their background, their story, and then what's going on, whether it's a, a league or, or mm -hmm. um, you know, a meet like nationals, just having a beat on what's actually going on in the sport is always going to be your best bet. Absolutely. So what are some skills that interns should maybe think about uh, trying to have before they start, whether it's like a program or maybe something they can't learn in the classroom? Uh, I would say, you know, one of the most interesting things I find with interns um, is just, like I said at the, at the beginning with my internship, is just master what you were hired to do mm -hmm. first. You know, that, that can be a challenge in itself and that can take people varying amount of times, but that's okay. That's what you were hired to do. That's what yeah. you were hired um, to learn and, and produce. And once you have that, then you can really expand. So that would be my most, you know, that's what I tried to tell all of the interns that I come across is like they, what they hired you for and what they give you on day one is what they're looking for. Once you master that, you can go in all sorts of different directions and find the gaps in that value. But it's amazing to me how many people try to just launch into something else. Maybe it doesn't interest them. Maybe they don't think it's worth their time. But, um, you know, the, the other thing is just learn the organization's KPIs, their key performance indicators or their goals. Everything, you know, from a USA Swimming perspective, we're moving towards this, where we want to make sure that these top line business goals are what we're driving towards with every single person. So if you know those goals, you know what the organization is trying to accomplish, it'll not only help you realize why you're doing X, Y, and Z, but will also help you find some other ways to say, oh, maybe I can do this to help, you know, ask around. Maybe this hasn't been thought of. They can help that goal. Um, but that first task, I think, is really key. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the, you just said some amazing things in there. So, you know, that first task that you're given, like, I don't think you could ever anticipate it. Right. <laughs> you can try. I mean, my, my first task at probably my most influential internship, my most influential internship um, was probably interning for a band called the Dresden Dolls. And they played at my university. I introduced myself to the singer. I was really nervous. I was like, because they were local, but they were definitely like on the rise. And I asked Amanda Palmer, I said, I presented myself professionally. I said, I'm interning here and there, blah, blah, blah. Let me know if you ever need help with anything. And she said, can you come over tomorrow? Yeah. And it turned out she lived in this amazing artist commune. It was like a 10 minute walk from campus. So I would like finish some practice and walk over there. And anyway, the first task she gave me was she, she still has a very aggressive keyboard style of play. And she was running the band at the time. She was the manager. She was the publicist. She was the booking agent, all those things. And so she had developed pretty bad tendonitis. And so my first task was to take dictation to, so she could respond to all these emails to run the band. And I don't think anyone's really going to college to take dictation. So you could look at that and be like, well, that's lame. Right. Or um, there was, in hindsight, there was no way, no better way to get inside my boss's head, a band's head, the business's head, a band is a business than that. that. That's a great point. And, you know, in the sports world, I think another thing that I've picked up along the way is just taking notes. 
you know, you, you learn that skill pretty well in, in school, no matter what you're doing. And so just having a written record of, of what happened on a conference call, what happened in a meeting, what are the next steps, what are the projects moving forward, you can turn that into a to-do list. Um, so it, just taking notes and, and taking stock of what just happened and where you're headed next can be a huge piece of it as well. I love it. And then you also talked about how well, first, you know, that first task and every task, in my opinion, always plugs into the bigger picture. And that's on you to try to figure that out. And if you can't, like, you know, find a quiet time in the day, ask Jake, ask me, but I guarantee you it does. And if it's something you don't want to do, and you were saying, like, sometimes people want to work on this or that or whatever, that's where I talk in the book about being, quote, proactive. And you really need to ask before doing Ask it. I call it being proactive, asking before doing. And that's because what I've noticed over the past few years is college students are getting the advice to be proactive. I don't think that's good advice. Yeah. I mean, I understand what they're trying to get across, but being proactive is not Jake giving you your first project and you saying, I don't want to do this. Why don't I do this or that? <laughs> yeah, I think that you know it, it kind of roots back to me to the days of the intern just going and grabbing coffee for mm -hmm. everyone and then mopping the floor. Right. It is, is over. You know, organizations are so dialed in now that if even as an intern, if you're there, you're there for a reason and you're right. there to help the organization reach its goals. And so, like you said, it, if you can't figure out what you're doing, why it matters, it, I guarantee it does. Um, and people are giving you that task um, so you can complete it to help reach those goals. And it, I think that's a great point, too. If you can't figure it out, find a quiet time and off time mm -hmm. riding the elevator or something really quick. Um, you know, most people you will be surprised will be happy to sit down and explain it to you. Sometimes they're just so busy, they, they think you know, they just give it to you and, and walk away. But if you just ask them really quick, they'll be happy to just sit down for five minutes, explain it. Um, and then that can make working on it a lot more enjoyable. You don't think you're just doing something fruitless and plugging numbers that you actually know that you're helping the organization, helping the people you work with. And, and that fulfillment, I think, is, is a big part of what can make working on it easier. And again, as much as I, I do agree that um, most people are willing to help, please do not ask on a Monday morning, Tuesday midday, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, be mindful because like we're humans too. And we might have these quote, like cool jobs, but they are jobs. Yes. And you want to go home to your wife. You want to go skiing on the weekends. You want to have a life. Yeah. Learn, learn how to read people. Yes. You know, that's, that's a big part of all of this is if someone's rushing past you in a tizzy and they've got a phone in one hand and papers in the other, like clearly they're <laughs> doing something. That's not the time. Find a time where they look like they're relaxed, they're you know taking a coffee break or something. Um, those are the times, find the right time to approach someone when they're in the right mood and then I'm sure they'll be happy to. I love that. So as much as I feel like being proactive is not the best advice, I think what is good advice is to make oneself indispensable. So what are some traits of the best interns you've ever worked with? Uh, reliability, I think it's yes. first. Like we said, that first task, if, you know, don't worry about anything else until you've mastered consistently the task that you were hired to do. Mm -hmm. um, at, at that point, I think then don't jump at the first idea. You know, I, I think remembering back to the book that you talk a little bit on this, but a lot of times the idea that you think is, is brand new has been turned over many times and people mm -hmm. will just kind of brush it off. So, um, you know, w one of the things I like to do or I like to do as an intern and even when I start a new job now is just for the first couple weeks, not too long, but just sit back and kind of observe the people you work with, observe the projects, see what's going on. 
Um, and then you can start to get a feel for where the gaps are, where you can add value. Um, and like I said, it can be as simple as just taking notes during a meeting to keep everybody up to speed. I, I'm amazed at how many times we I have a conference call and then a week later, everyone's like, well, what what did we say on that conference right. call? What are we supposed to be working on? And mm -hmm. if maybe there's an intern that could just be sitting on that call, absorbing information, learning the industry. All they're doing is taking notes, but they've now added a ton of value to everyone else um, in that conversation to keep everything on track and to keep it streamlined. Those little things I think that you can pick up on are, are really where you can add value and, and not overextend yourself. Um, as an intern to say, you know, I'm not trying to change the culture and totally. the goals of this company. I'm just trying to help everyone do their job better. Absolutely. And not to mention, uh, I'm really big on having interns on usually team conference calls whenever possible, because when have they been on a conference call before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's another thing that, you know, I think you can ask too. So people mm -hmm. forget that the interns are there sometimes as, as bad as that sounds, but they're busy, they're scheduling calls, totally. they're trying to get what they have done it doesn't hurt me to have someone else listening on a conference call. So I, I try to be proactive. Like I said, even though I don't have interns directly under mm -hmm. me, um, you know, either the interns or even just the lower level employees to just say, Hey, do you want to hop in this call? Learn a little bit about this. Just listen in. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you don't have someone actively inviting you, just going up and say, you know, finding areas that you're interested in, Hey, can I just sit in on this call and listen? I think you, you'll be surprised at how many people will, We'll be open to that and we'll be open to including you. And everything we just talked about, whether it's, you know, conference calls, observing people, figuring out when they're stressed and they're not, you can't really learn that in the classroom. No, it's 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 probably the toughest skill, you know, mm -hmm. it's learning how to read people and communicate with them effectively. Um, but, you know, everyone does it different. Everyone that you work with is going to be different. Every industry is different. But um, that's the biggest thing is just keeping your head up, I think, just watching people, learning them, um, taking not too long. You know, you don't want to just sit there quiet your entire internship, but take the first couple of days to observe the personalities. Um, you know, it's not that much different than social settings. It's not that much different than classrooms, group projects, that type of thing. So you have the skill set built in. You just have to apply it over to the business world. Um, and, and you'll be surprised at how quickly that translates. Absolutely. So what do you do to stay balanced? Uh, I try to, I work life balance is a big thing for me. You know, being out in Colorado, being outside is, is the biggest thing for me, whether it's just exercising every day as part of my daily routine or on the weekends, getting up into the mountains, skiing, rock climbing, hiking, that type of thing. Um, I think that it, the harder you work, the more you need to just take a little bit of a break from it. And so for me, um, I, I try to work as hard as I can all week to, to really feel like I've enjoyed that activity that I'm doing on the weekend. Um, it, it helps with the stress levels, um, everything like that. So, you know, maybe a little bit biased coming from an athletic background, but for me, it's just clearing my head, going and exercising. Um, I also think it has a lot of business applications. For me, you're, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get mad. Um, and, and for me, what I like to do is just I don't respond to that email or that call until I go and just run or swim or bike or do mm -hmm. something really quick to clear my head. You know, if I'm that mad, I'll just pedal out much harder on the bike to get that out. And you'll be amazed at how your perspective changes when you come back to that email then after that. So um, being outside, exercising, getting the heart rate up for me, that's how I uh, keep the balance. I couldn't agree with you more. I, as I told you yesterday, I have to work out every day and it's, it's for my mind. It's for business. And the people at my local pool, I think, think I'm crazy because I'm really like getting my rage out in that morning. And it's like, I'm sorry, if you're in the fast lane, this is like swim geek stuff. But if you're in the fast lane and you're standing in the middle of the wall and I can't do a flip turn, I'm going to tell you to get out of the way. Yeah. 
but I'm not like that in the rest of my day, you know? So it's like, and, and like, and I don't think it's a bias as an athlete because everybody has their thing. It can be walking your dog. It can be hanging out with a friend, yeah, any exactly. of those things. Yeah. But you just have to have some outlet. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to just go to work all day, come home, watch a little TV and go to bed. You need to have something else that you're passionate about, that you think about, that you have energy towards. Um, it sounds counterintuitive to add more to your plate, but it actually, like I said, it, you know, it creates that balance. It creates that time management skills, the prioritization skills. Um, and it also just gives you something fun to look forward to. Absolutely. So last question, I've had the experience with interns sometimes, like amazing, amazing, like interns that we've even like hired and things like that. Um, I've very rarely had an intern finish strong. Uh, and I get it because you're excited about graduation or the next internship or whatever. So do you have any thoughts on what interns can do to kind of wrap up properly? Yeah. You know, the, the word that comes to mind is legacy. Mm. Um, you want to do a great job when you're in your internship. That's when you're connected with these people. But what are you going to leave those people that they remember you for? I guarantee they're going to come back around two years, five years, 10 years later within your network. Um, whatever industry you're in, it's going to start to feel like a small world as you get further into your career. And so you want to leave some nugget of something, some legacy for those people to remember you by. They might forget it for a while, but then when they see you, that'll trigger. So for me, it was, you know, it was as simple at IMG as just trying to formalize the internship program. It sounds kind of weird as an intern, but I, I tried to leave there and say, you know, the internship program is in a better place um, mm. than when I got here. At least I, I hoped so. And that was my goal. And so, um, you know, with USA Swimming, obviously I'm still there. But when I do leave, I hope that there's a legacy of something that I built and helped make that organization better and, and made it easier for those that come after me. And so I think finding whatever it is, you know, it, across industries, it'll be different. Across responsibilities, it'll be different. But what legacy can you leave behind that people will remember you for? So then when you see them again later in life that, that, that they have that positive association mm-hmm. with you um, and can bring that back. Around. I love it. And you and I are kind of on the bubble. I, I think we obviously take advantage of it now, but interns again, live in like a digital social media age. So you can, you know, connect with people on LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, those are basics and yeah, mm-hmm. you want to connect with everybody that you work with while you're yep. there so they know who you are you know you don't want to linkedin someone three years later and they're like, totally, this? like yeah yeah so get connected with everybody on mm-hmm. linkedin um you know have that professional social media presence I, i'm a big believer that i don't think social media is um very personal anymore everything mm-hmm. that's on the internet is out there for everybody so have that yep. professional social media built up um while you're while you're at the organization make those connections and then um, it'll make it a lot easier to keep those connections as you go forward. I love it. Anything else you want to add since you're passionate about interns? Uh, just just keep at it. You know, I, I think that there's a, a culture, you know, I'm not going to be the one pointing the finger at millennials like everybody else does to say we're ruining everything. But um, there's not much that's just given anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't just graduate and you're given an internship and then you're given a job. But totally. in my opinion, there's still a lot to be taken. And so if you just get out there, keep grinding, keep reading, keep connecting, um, you'll be surprised at at when something will pop up and and there's something to be taken. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Jake. I really appreciate it. Uh, What's your Twitter handle? Uh, At Jacob Grocer. And you guys are at USA Swimming on Twitter? Yes. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap for episode eight. Very grateful for Jake Grocer for taking the time. And we'll see you on probably a mini episode next before episode nine. Till then, be happy.
Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at, at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.